Hi, I'm Matt Fitzsimmons, and welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to say good day to my mate, Sturdy. How are you, Sturdy? Good, Matt. What's going on? Well, we've got a really interesting thing to have a yarn about today. I'm really looking forward to this because it relates to the strategy that businesses employ. And I think um, it's a really cool thing to actually talk about and just to remind ourselves about, which um, is, is, is for me, it's it's great. It's a, it's an oldie, but a goodie, if you will. But it's also critical to uh, to understanding how your business can fit into a market and, and that. So it's a... Well- well, hang on. You said fit. We really want your business to stand apart. Oh, yes, no, my thunder there, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how do you fit into a market? Ideally, you don't fit into the market. You're the you're the outlier in the market. So, right, in the it's, right a it's a concept of a bit different, though. Um, Absolutely. And and I think that's something that we've got to remind ourselves of. Um, and there's this. If you go back to like the seventies. There was this thing that went around the, the the manufacturing circles, and what I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll show you because it's in the book. We cover this in the book, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really critical that business owners get their heads around it because it's an entirely different concept. Um, back in the good old days, it used to be better, faster, cheaper. So people were differentiated by being a better product. So like the quality was being the focus, making it faster or making it cheaper. Um, and in the book, it looks like it looks like that. So you've got a triangle. Um, at the top of it, it says good. Uh, down one corner is fast, and the other one says cheap. And that's how you make it, right? So you make it either good, fast, or cheap. You can be world-class in one. You can be reasonably good in two, but you can't do three. just doesn't quite work that way. And, and these days, businesses realize that if they want to be noticed in a market and want to do something uh, that will get them above the radar, they have to be meaningfully different. And I think that's a really cool concept for business owners. Right. You'll also see in the diagram that better, faster, cheaper is outdated, right? Because now, you know, speed, uh, where you get it or cost and stuff, um, we want to get out of that mind frame. What am I saying? We want to get out of that, that framework of, you know, we want great quality or at least good enough depending, right? All those things are true, but that's also kind of a road to the middle of the pack. And what, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of the pack, you're basically invisible, right? That's right. Yeah. So let's go over a couple of things. Like when we say meaningfully different, what do you mean by that? To me, like you can be different by having, you know, um, low level things, which, you know, you, you have, um, Instead of um, instead of having, if, if you run a cafe, for example, you can have the run of the mill stuff, or you, and you can do a couple of things that are a little bit unique. And you know, rather than having just plain donuts, you can have a caramel donut or something like that. So you can do some really low level sort of things. Um, yeah. But your, your target market, and that's really what this is all about. Your yeah. target market has to sit there and go, ah, no, these guys are different because of something that means something to them. And they have to, it has to be one of those things where they'd sit there and go, oh, you must go here because of this. They mm-hmm. do it differently to anybody else. Um, I remember, oh, it would have been 10 years ago now when Cronuts came out. Remember Cronuts? Sure. Which was a cross between a, a croissant, uh, or as my daughter likes to say, a ha-ha, and <laughs> <laughs> um, and it came out and it was just so unique. 
well, there was a shop in New York, which is where it came from. They had been doing that for years and they were crazy busy. And then all of a sudden, one of the competitors woke up and said, oh, well, maybe we should do those things now. And then it became a thing. And now it's all over the world. But for the mm. longest time, they, they were doing something that was meaningfully different. Rather than traditional donuts, they had made a, a donut out of a croissant, which was, uh, <laughs> as we all know, <laughs> quite delicious. <laughs> so let's go back to that. The meaningfully different, you mentioned their target customer. So this is the idea. You want to be meaningfully different in their eyes, right? It's not just coming up with stuff. It's really thinking about, you're going to put this into practice. You think about who your target customer is. You have your avatar. Um, by the way, this is something we're pretty adamant about. And we go also go over it in the book. Don't necessarily describe your target customer in traditional demographic terms. Okay. Um, yeah. If you put a bunch of 40-year-old women in, in a room together, you know, what are they going to agree on? That doesn't make any sense. That's leftover. That's also antiquated. It's left over and it still persists because of the you know VC world and funding and the banks because you can count them, right? It's easy to count how many people in this age range and gender and income level or whatever. And then you say that's the size of our market. But for most of us, you know, we're in we're in a market that's so big, right? Like I'm in San Francisco, right? I can go to the intersection on my walk to work here and see thousands of cars passing by. Right. I can only serve really a handful of clients, maybe thousands or millions with the book, but that's going to be a little bit different. But like one on one, as far as my target customer, I need to have this avatar. I need to connect with that individual and I need to be dramatically and meaningfully different from their perspective. Right. So and then, you know, you just mentioned the cronuts as a way to that that's what was at one point a unique thing. Those things evolved too. Right. I interviewed Susan Free recently on my other podcast. She was genius. Right, because she, she runs an HVAC company, right? They do maintenance on heating and air conditioning and all that stuff. And they, um, but their target customer is a female, the woman who's going to be alone when the service provider shows up. Ah. Okay. So thinking about their experience, you have a strange dude, you know, with work gear and whatever show up at your house. So what she does, she sends an email with a picture and a quick intro of who's going to be arriving at your house. Makes you feel better, right? Brilliant idea. It's a fantastic idea. They wear booties over their boots, the little fabric, you know, booties or paper or whatever. And they tell you they're going to because they're going to, they've got to keep their shoes on, but they're going to cover them so they don't track dirt and mud and whatever in and out of your house, especially like in winter time when they're checking the heater or the furnace and going into the basement and back up and all that kind of stuff. there were a couple other things that she does, but like the the total cost of this stuff is negligible, right? But if you think about that customer experience and what they're encountering from their perspective, not kind of your interactions and stuff. So I deal with this with the clinical stuff all the time, right? Most clinical people think that the customer experience involves their interaction with the clinician. It does. But they also go to the website, they call on the phone, they come into the parking lot, they sit at the front desk, you know, in the waiting area, um, they get a balance bill. There are all these other touch points, okay, that comprise the customer experience. A lot of time that stuff gets ignored. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. that And this as a concept 
is actually you can use it on any scale of business. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So to 25 kilometers south of where I am right now is a town called Tiawamutu. Tiawamutu has six sushi shops and it <laughs> serves a population of about 12,000 people. <laughs> now, logistically, numerically, that makes absolutely no sense why a town should have six sushi shops. Sushi! Is it that they've got um, a massive um, Asian population? No, it's not that at all. They just really do a great job of sushi, and people come from all over to go to one of, and, and there's one in particular called Sugoi Sushi. Um, Sugoi. <laughs> sushi. You know what Sugoi means, means, right? No, what does it mean? It means wow. And it Sugoi. is. It is well. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so you, you go there and it is, okay, so it's wow sushi. And everything yeah. about that particular shop is is amazing. Now, this is a hyper-competitive, tiny little rural New Zealand town and it has all these sushi shops. And one kicks the ass of all the others by being meaningfully different. And what they do is, is, is now that I know what sugoi means, <laughs> which is really <laughs> sugoi. They they do all their sushi is is two steps above everyone else. Everyone else is trying to be uh, the cheapest or this or that. They are going and they don't make anything that you can find in any of the other sushi shops. It's all really unique to them, and it's a great example of someone who just says, "Sushi is my passion. I can still make sushi. I'm just not going to do it in the same way that everyone else does it." I'm going to do it in our way that's unique to us. It's difficult to copy. They could be copied, but they're not. Um, and they do exceptionally well. They'd be not the, the biggest sushi shop in Tiamuni, which sounds like a sounds like a small prize to win. But when you've got five competitors who are all actually pretty good uh, in a small town, that that that's that's massive. Well, something else you mentioned there, Matt, and this is this is a challenge to all of you guys listening. How do you make what you do qualitatively different. Mm. Okay. So much of the time we're focused on the logic. We're focused on quantity and numbers and how do we, you know, increase by 1% incremental, whatever. How do you, how do you change the, the qualitative nature of, of the interaction of the experience from the customer standpoint? You know, um, what are the things that you could do? What are the things that your target customer would appreciate? And the other part of that, equation is your context and your target customer are likely unique to you. So what you're going to come up with very often is going to be fairly unique. You know, yeah. now that doesn't off put other people, people kind of, you, you've run into this man. I know where when you start talking about the target customer, people are like, well, I don't want to exclude other people. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Right. If you make it you awesome. All the time, mate. You hear oh, it right. 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 So, right, right, so, so, back on it. I can't exclude anyone because I'd, I'd miss out on them as customers. No, 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 it's, no. That's not what it's about. It's so counterintuitive, right? But but the, the idea, so get your head around this. The idea is if you make it awesome, like really exceptional, remarkable, okay? And I love Seth Godin says remarkable, meaning worthy of remark, right? You're going to be talked about. If you make it remarkable, for your target customer, other people are going to like it too. Cool. Okay. You will attract other people. Yeah. But if you don't know who you're doing it for and you're trying to do something great for everybody, you're doing something for nobody. That's 
You know, that is so that is so true. What you've hit on there, mate, is is absolutely bang on. Um, there's no point being all things to everyone. You might as well be something meaningful to somebody. Um, I used to be the marketing manager of a company um, that did Space Invaders. So just like um, it was coin-operated amusements. And our target market was a 15-year-old boy who was a key social influencer in our in his school. And basically my, my, my day job was taking pocket money off school kids. <laughs> throughout New just Zealand. Just like when you were in school. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All the way throughout um New Zealand, Australia, um, up in Singapore and all the way through Asia. Uh that was that was the um uh that was the market for this particular company. Um it's now merged and it's um uh, it's now much bigger. But the, the target market was a 15-year-old kid, not because the fifth the money came from the 15-year-old kid, but because when we defined our target market, we figured out that he was the person with the most room for growth. He was the person who had the most influence, and that, that was the person who had access to the money. It wasn't his money. It was his parents' money. And what Very we also awesome, yeah. noticed about the 15-year-old kid was that people would look over the 15-year-old kid's shoulder and go, what is he doing? And so when you're looking at target market, don't look at you know, the old thing is, who's your most common customer? Well, your most common customer or your most common purchaser might not be the person that you have a conversation with. And right. when you want to actually um, you know, interact with, with your target market, it might not be them that where the money comes from. It may be actually, in that case, it was the parents, normally the mother. So we had to make it friendly for mum to do it and that sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot more subtlety about it than, than what initially people tend to think. There is, and and this is why surveys suck. Okay, yeah. so when you know when you're doing surveys, unless you know who it is and you're um, during it, because here this isn't a democracy, right? Mm-hmm. Some people's votes matter more than others. Some people's opinions matter more than others in your context. You know, we want to make sure that that person is delighted, that they really, um, you know think you're awesome, think you are remarkable. They're going to, I love this, this idea. This will give you a test. They're going to talk about three things at dinner tonight. How do you get in the top three? What are you doing today that makes you worth talking about at dinner tonight? Right. And if you're sitting there going, that's a great question. But if you're kind of going, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Or, well, we do a good job with this, but it's not like, I know right now what it is. Think about that. Come up with something because that the chances are they're not really talking about you, or at least not in the way you want them to. Mm. Isn't it interesting what you just said there? And I think you really hit on something, which is how many times are our businesses talked about and how many times mm-hmm. do people have a conversation outside of their interaction? So they go down to the, okay. to, to the business and they, they buy a loaf of bread or they buy this or they or they book in for you know um, um, uh, an appointment to see someone or whatever. How many people sit there and go, wow, I had the most amazing experience today? They might do it maybe one time when they first go there and it's all brand spanking new. But what about two or three years down the line Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when they're regular customers, how do we how do we get them to sit there and go, wow, that's still the best experience that I have? And the, the other thing that I, I keep reminding people of all the time is, for the most part, most businesses are pretty average. Most people aren't. Well, most they have, businesses aren't they have to be. 
by definition, right? <laughs> Most are average, right? Most are average. And and that's that's really sad, but it's a massive opportunity for a business owner who actually wants to grow because you've only got to be different to average. And if you can't be a little bit different to, to an average business, then maybe business isn't your thing. <laughs> you well, right. And you can pick and choose, right? So I think when we were working with you way back, right, with the physical therapy clients, um, one of the things we looked at was customer service. And I started thinking about customer service in healthcare, right? And I realized very quickly, especially, I mean, it hasn't changed very much, that Customer service in healthcare is essentially non-existent, mm. you know, and uh, I just looked at it and thought, man, if we can't compete, if we can't do a better job on this, then we don't deserve our business. Yeah. You know, because the bar was set so low that, um, you know, simply smiling at people and greeting them by name and looking them in the eye was a step in the right direction, right? <laughs> that, that's how terrible how terrible those people's experiences were with, you know, with the, the hospitals, the doctors or whatever. So. But how many times do you, you know, do you go away from a business and go, wow, that was really cool. Um, Not and, enough, but I'll give you a story. Go on then. Okay. So we're looking for a place. My grandfather, my, my father-in-law had to get his truck smogged. Right. And Tosh is 88 years old. So uh, I'm helping him find a mechanic because we got the diagnostics. I, I went and got the diagnostics tool and saw, and he's got an older Tacoma and, uh, you know, plugged the thing in and found that the uh, airflow, mass airflow sensor and maybe the O2 sensor and stuff are shot and need to be replaced, right? And um, I found a mechanic uh, five, six minutes away from his house, okay, by driving. So a little too far for him to walk, but he could drive over there. They need to leave the car there. So I, I said, okay. We set him up and said, okay, we'll get a path for you when you drop it off. I talked to the mechanic. Um, you know, he'll bring it by on Tuesday morning or whatever, right? So he does, and we find out, you know, Kathy calls in later and says, hey, you know, how how was it? You know, how was the cab ride and stuff? He's like, oh, I didn't get a cab. It's like, what? So the owner drove me home. Isn't that cold? The owner drove me home. What a quote. Yeah. What a quote. Yeah. The yeah. owner, and, then, and then picked him up and picked him up as well yeah what a cool place yeah. what a cool business so i mean it's like a 12 minute round trip for the owner right which i was kind of like man now the bill was like 1200 so so you know it wasn't cheap but his truck's in good condition he keeps it up the owner actually told me to drive it more because of the o2 sensors and stuff right but um yeah, he, he picked him up and dropped him off. And that wasn't part of the promise. That wasn't part of the plan um, at all. But think about that impact. And now I'm telling you on a podcast, right? And I'm, yeah, exactly. Do we have the name of the business? Do we have the name of the business? Can we give them a shout out? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find it in one second just to make sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy, right? That you're looking at this stuff and going, well, I mean, really, overall, how much time and effort did it take them to do that? And the other thing is they did it with no, no sense. You know, they did it for all the right reasons. Yeah, sure. He didn't do it to get noticed, to get publicity. He did it because he's a good bugger. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah, exactly. So um, they did it because it was a nice thing to do for an older man who, you know, needed a hand. So um, hang on, I'll find it first in a minute. But let's keep going. So um, I want to give you an example of something where better, faster, cheaper is not going to work. And the industry is is becoming more and more, more and more difficult to make them um, different. So imagine that you were a European car manufacturer and one of the, one of the big three, so a BMW, an Audi or a Mercedes and that sort of thing. So imagine that that's what, and, and for the longest time, your cars were tangibly better. They weren't made faster. They were made you know, more or less the same place as everyone else. They weren't made cheaper, but they were definitely tangibly better. And now look at all the cars they have as competitors. Look at all the brand new cars coming out of Korea, which are phenomenal. They are just as good. The difference between what a European car was and the rest of the world, as far as whether it's better or not, has now shrunken right up. Those Korean cars, the, the Hyundais and the Kias and that sort of thing, they are phenomenal cars. I'm not overly familiar with American cars, but I'm sure they're on the same sort of path. So the difference between that doesn't justify the price premium that, that people are currently paying. So imagine being one of those big car manufacturers and you've got to be meaningfully different in a way that probably your technology is not much better than what's coming out of a whole bunch of other countries. If I had shares in the German car manufacturing industry, I'd be looking at them and going, I'm not sure how much longer we can actually you know, you know charge a quarter of a million dollars for a supercar because I'm pretty sure the the Koreans or the Americans or somebody else can come out with a car that's probably just as good, but for a whole lot cheaper, uh, mm. and and styled really beautifully, like di styled differently and distinctly and that sort of thing. Um, I'd be very concerned because what they did in the past, which was based on an old model of better, faster, cheaper, is now going to be very very difficult to actually make go. Right. So on, on that note, you know, think about the target customer and the evolution, how the environment changes with your competition as well. Like, you know, Kia and Hyundai for guys my age, those Korean cars are kind of, you know, we, we, they weren't top quality, right, when they came out. And then that's still kind of stuck in your head and whatever. For younger people now, though, teenagers and 20s, those cars are sought after, you know, because they've continued to raise the bar on their own standards. And, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of caught off guard sometimes when, you know, the 17 year olds like, oh, check out the, the Hyundai, you know, it's just this and this. And I'm like, really the Hyundai? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it, it is. It's, it's different. It's not the same ones that we saw, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, yeah. Let's do our quick shout out and then a bit of advice. So it's Al at Cupertino Auto Care. And that's why I couldn't remember the name because it's Cupertino Auto Care. Al, dude, you got to change your name. <laughs> got to make the name remarkable too. I mean, to have a generic, a generic name when you have an awesome business. So we want the business name to be something reflective that can, you know, is memorable, um, and not just kind of, you know, don't let the name blend in either. But it sounds like a damn fine company to deal with, though. Regardless yeah. of the name, the name issue, which he's got a couple of guys want to help him out with that. He's <laughs> right. like a damn fine guy to do business with. So we can, help you, we can help you fix that. <laughs> Fantastic.
Um, so maybe go away um, if you're listening to this podcast and maybe we've struck a chord, maybe we've sort of triggered something in you. So maybe go away and, and look at your business from your target market's perspective. Often we get caught up in looking at it from our own perspective. Look at it from your target market's perspective and actually ask, how are you meaningfully different? You may well be better, faster or cheaper than your competitor, but it's way more important to be meaningfully different and maybe go and deconstruct your business, the, the offer that you make and the customer service experience and all that sort of thing and yeah. go, how can I end up with a wow and a conversation over dinner in my customers' houses tonight? Yeah, two, two last thoughts. One is if you'll start looking at your business from the customer perspective, and it can be as simple as driving up into the front parking lot, Okay, like we do it every day. We don't, we, we get used to things. We acclimate, we accommodate, right? Look at it with fresh eyes and see, you know, if it's a physical space, if it's your website, whatever, um, take a look and kind of see. The other thing though is choose your battles, right? You don't have to make everything awesome. You actually don't want to make everything awesome. You want to make the things that are most important. And that's one of the things we also break down in the book and we call them the moments of truth. So you map out your whole customer journey, but you choose, you choose where you want, what you want people talking about you, you know, what we're, the things that you want them talking about at dinner tonight. Okay. So think about it strategically, work on those things, because being remarkable at everything is probably also not totally doable. No, no it, it isn't sustainable. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And if you want some help, that's what we do for a job. <laughs> That's right. um, and we have this really cool, cool tool for business owners. It's called the best small business in the world. Um, we just did a bit of a reprint, which is cool. And so they're a bit fancy now, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and 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 at the point of this recording, tomorrow in, in our re in recording world, we have a drop-in session with a whole bunch of people who come along mm -hmm. and we talk about the stuff that people are doing uh, as they work through the process of, of working on their business. And we're having some really cool conversations with some really cool people about right. how how they're growing their business and the challenges they're facing and um and how much fun they're actually having looking at their business through a new set of lenses which is really cool because they're really great people we we only deal with great people um fortunately <laughs> they're really great people who are doing some really cool things with their business so if you wanted to come along um bestbusinessintheworld.com um and we'll hopefully see you real soon on one of our live drop-ins every other well, Wednesday, um, right. Thursday, Thursday, New Zealand. <laughs> just just right. on that, just on that, today is actually tomorrow your time. And I can tell you the rest of today is going to be great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take it easy.